This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. Paris Athena joins us today to share the history of Black tech Twitter, how she discovered a vibrant community of Black and Brown technologists, and what she's doing to amplify their voices and experiences in tech. She shares how her platform, Black Tech Pipeline, is bridging the diversity, equity, and inclusion gap as new Black and Brown developers join a largely white and Asian-dominated industry. To close, she gives us tremendous insight into how it feels to be the sole representation of a minority group at a company, and ways all of us can be better allies in our meetings, projects, and communities. I learned so much, and you will too. Before we jump in, thanks to Infinite Red and Honey Badger for supporting this episode. Having access to developers that know the direction React and React Native are headed can take your development and team dynamics to new heights. If you don't have these folks on your team already, you need to find them. And I recommend Infinite Red. Infinite Red has been designing, building, and shipping apps for 10 years, and they want to bring their expertise and industry connections to your apps, products, and services. Infinite Red has a sweet deal right now where you get $750 for referring a new project. Get expert help from Infinite Red by visiting reactpodcast.infinite.red. Let's be honest, you ship code with errors. Don't worry, I won't tell your manager, I do it too. Sometimes our errors get caught by automated tests or QA testers, but sometimes they don't. When you push code with errors and those errors make it all the way to the user, you want Honey Badger at your back. Honey Badger monitors and sends alerts in real time, providing the context you need to quickly identify and eradicate errors in your day-to-day deployments. Honey Badger gives you DevOps superpowers by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and cron monitoring into a single easy to use platform. And Honey Badger won't just cover your back, they also alert you when external services fall over or background jobs start failing. Get 30% off of Honey Badger for six months by mentioning React Podcast at sign up. There's no credit card required, just visit honeybadger.io. At honeybadger.io, you'll find the story of Star, Josh, and Ben, the bootstrappers behind Honey Badger, and why self-funding means your needs and interests are always number one. Paris, welcome to React Podcast. Hi, I'm excited to be on here. (laughs) I am so excited to have you on the show. I have just learned so much from you online as you've been just kind of like talking about your journey as a programmer and starting Black Tech Twitter and Black Tech Pipeline. And uh, I just really wanted to get you on the show and kind of hear a little bit more of your story, get to know you a little bit, and uh, just kind of share your journey and what you're trying to accomplish with the uh, React podcast audience. So I know a lot of this started with just like a tweet. And you, uh, I'm going to pull it up right now. Um, you just tweeted out like, you know, what does black Twitter in tech look like? And you got like just so much engagement and so many responses on that. And this kind of kicked off this like, you know, much bigger conversation. Um, and so I was just hoping to hear like what led to that moment where you tweeted that out and why do you think there was such a big response to it? Yeah. Um, 
so it's actually kind of funny. So I tweeted that because a friend of mine had, oh my gosh, he had tweeted about how there's like a lot of attractive black men in in um, tech. And then okay. I saw that and it made me think of like, you know what, there's actually like a lot of black people in tech. Um, because when I had gotten on, I'd only, I'd have, I've only been on Twitter, um, I'd only been on for like a couple of months. And I was like, wow, there's like a really, there's a community of black uh, people in tech, which was different for me because here, at least here in Boston, like I never worked with anyone who looked like me. So it was just, oh, sure. yeah, it was just interesting to see. I'm like, wow. So that inspired me to be like, you know what, what does black Twitter in tech look like? Because I wanted to like just see the entire community. And so I didn't expect to get any engagement at all. I didn't really have <laughs> that many followers that I, I was new to Twitter and unexpectedly that tweet just took off and like overnight it created this community and like black technologists from all over the world were posted themselves in the tweet and it created this really long thread and they were posting their pictures um and stating what they did in the industry and it just like in a matter of hours you know it just formed a community and a movement and then the hashtag so yeah that's awesome now in the responses was there anything that kind of surprised you or, um, you know, cause you asked this question, like, you know, what does black Twitter look like for, you know, technologists? Like, was there anything that surprised you or like stood out to you or was it kind of like a new revelation or way of thinking for you? Well, I mean, the whole thing surprised me. So the amount of people who responded to that tweet, I hadn't interacted with them before. They weren't, I didn't know they existed, you know? Um, I only knew of like a really small community of black technologists. So um, just seeing how many more there were, I was shocked. I was like, whoa, like I did <laughs> not know there were this many people. And this was all over the world too. So, you know, mind you, I was also very new to the industry. So sure. I, there's a lot that I just didn't know in general, but seeing that I actually did have a community of people who looked like me, like that was uh, like amazing, you know? Um, so all of that in itself was just shocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's something that is really hard to explain. And I know that I like I, I, I have felt this in, in, in not nearly the same ways. You know, I'm like like half Asian, half like just stock white. And but like even in like little ways, I know that like at when I've worked at places and there's like another Asian guy that comes in, it's like, oh my gosh, like like I like I know that we're gonna have something to talk about, right? Like right. even if it's just like how much we like noodles or like rice or something like that, right? Yeah. Like that's like so stupid. But like it's just like there's these cultural things that's like okay, like he's gonna get at least this part of my life that mm -hmm. I've felt like I've had to diminish a ton to just kind of like exactly. fit in and like no, like hamburgers and beer are my favorite thing like all the time. Yeah. <laughs> no. Like listen. When, okay, there's, so I've never worked with someone who looked like me. So, so there's that. But there was this one time where at one of uh, my jobs where um, I was a developer there, I had walked by the office and I saw there was um, a black girl in there who I hadn't seen before. I was like, oh my gosh, she's starting. She's like probably being on Twitter right now. <laughs> um, she wasn't. I don't even know why she was there. Like I looked out for her the entire day, next day, the week. She didn't come back. I don't I have no idea who she was. I got really excited for nothing. Oh my god, damn it. But it would have been nice. Like you get super excited, right? Exactly. Yes. Oh my gosh. That was such a heartbreak. But yeah, I totally get what you're saying. 
<laughs> yeah, and I like I love that I love that the internet has given us a way to um, create these communities, even though we're not, um, e- even not, though we're not like at the at the same company or the same geographical location. Like you said, you've never worked with someone who looked like you, so um, this gives you an opportunity to make those relationships in a more like industry wide way. How, what have been some of the success stories as you've, you know, had this hashtag, um, started the uh, Black Tech Pipeline? Um, what has excited you most about the people who have come in and their journey and their excitement about getting involved in a community that, like you said, they didn't know existed either? Yeah. Like, there's so many things that excite me. There are people who, you know, they'll DM me and let me know, like, oh, and so I, I also do like recruitment and stuff for Black Tech Pipeline, Black Tech Twitter, but this, like the stories I'm saying don't have anything to do with me, but people letting me know like they got jobs because of um, the Black Tech Twitter hashtag, or I've had uh, college professors and different companies who have gone to career fairs. Um, they're like, hey, I'm just reaching out to let you know, like, you know, I keep hearing about Black Tech Twitter around the career fair, like people are walking around talking about it. I had someone mention it to me. I was like, oh my, like, like people are talking about it, like it, it's an actual community and this is like all around the world and people are getting jobs and, and they're getting their foot into the industry, they're getting recognition and exposure, like that's so huge to me. And then there's, um, someone did a conference talk on Black Tech Twitter, someone um, <laughs> someone's awesome. actually created a conference um, around like uh, entrepreneurship and Black Tech Twitter. She, she created this whole conference um, and she's still doing it till this day. That, I mean, and then companies are hashtagging Black Tech Twitter to um, get more engagement with our community um, if they have open roles. Like, there's just everything excites me. And uh, I don't know. It's cool. It's just, it's just cool. <laughs> it's a cool experience. That's awesome. So I want to talk a little bit about you moving from, you know, just starting this discussion to like creating the hashtag so that these conversations could be could, could happen kind of, you know, related um and then also the platform you're building for actually helping helping people through like the that i guess like career transition helping helping them into tech like etc etc and also i want to talk about a lot of this there's a lot of stuff that i want to talk with you about um but how has that transition been going from black tech twitter hashtag to black tech pipeline so the the whole business part of black tech pipeline that really kind of just formed itself. I didn't like, I didn't put that hashtag out intentionally to start something. It just happened. Um, it was all very unintentional. And then opportunities really did just kind of fall into my lap to, to make something of it. Um, so when black tech Twitter went off, like that same week I had employers reaching out to me through Twitter DMS and they were like, Hey, we saw you just like, created this new community. Can you uh, recruit <laughs> candidates into our pipeline from there? I'm like, like I was just like a front end developer. I, I had no recruiting experience whatsoever. I was like, yeah, sure. Why? Like in my head, I'm like, how hard could it be? You're just asking people if they want jobs. Like, you know, so right. I like created my own talent database. And then I started recruiting candidates into different um, roles and different pipelines and people were getting jobs and like that was going really great. And then what we noticed was that there was still a retention problem. So everyone I'm recruiting is not, not everyone, but like a lot of people who are recruiting into these companies, they're not staying, they're leaving. And as someone who's always been the sole black person in, a, in an entire company, like I already knew why I knew what was going on. Um, so this is how like the business molded itself. Uh, 
I started, I added onto like this recruitment package that I had. Anytime someone gets hired out of Black Tech Pipeline, I virtually like stay on the job with them for the first 90 days. And so, oh, cool. yeah, so, so what that looks like is for the first 90 days, I do biweekly check-ins with them just to see how's it going, what's your experience been like, and I want to get that information. I want to make sure they're not, like, in some harmful environment. Um, yeah. And I also want to know, like, how they feel that the company could improve on their DE&I initiatives and things like, or, or anything, really. And so I take that feedback from the candidate and I relay it to the employer, which is, like, usually their manager or someone on the leadership team. And so we kind of just go over, you know, this is what you're doing well, this is where you should really improve. And then it's not just feedback from that candidate, but I talk about, you know, their current processes when it comes to like vetting, hiring, onboarding. Um, they even, and every company's different. Sometimes they'll be like, you know, hey, could you like audit our website? And, and what they mean by that is like kind of going through and seeing where is, you know, is there language that isn't inclusive? And mm. how can we appear more inclusive? How can we, um, appear more appear more appealing to diverse candidates so i'm doing that but i'm making sure that it's like not performative i want to make sure you're actually doing the work <laughs> to be inclusive you know so that's like i do the whole i do like consultations with them check-ins with the candidate and i'm just making sure like you know you are taking those actionable steps to becoming like a diverse equitable and inclusive mm. workplace you know so hold, holding them accountable <laughs> I love that because I think you're doing something that's really important in that a lot of people, it's like the difference between like the head and the heart, right? Like in the head, they like really want to be that place, right? right. They want really bad to be that place. But then like the the actions and maybe the attitude um, are not are not representing that. And I think exactly. it's really interesting that you mentioned that there's a retention problem. And I kind of want to talk, I want to dive into that a little bit. Like what makes a like positive environment, you know, because obviously, you know, people want to change, change their stripes, but it's not going to happen overnight. Right. And so a lot of what you're doing is trying to bridge that communication gap for, you know, a new hire. Like you don't want to raise any flags at all. Right. Like you just want to like kind of keep your head under the radar and just like, you know, keep your job. Right. And so I love that you're kind of like standing in the gap for that relationship. Right. Um, what are some of the things that that really rise to the surface a lot, you know, that, that companies are doing poorly, um, yeah. even if they want to change. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I'm going to start with, um, leadership. So I, I've noticed like with bigger companies, this is like the, the problem. The, the bigger companies who have already like established this culture are the companies who did not prioritize DE and I at the foundation of the company. What they did was they hired their friends, their family members, and then they, those people did the same thing. Then you're building up this company and now you're at the top. And then it's, this is when you, now you want to look around and you're like, Oh, like we're not diverse. We, we didn't do a good job of like hiring um, people who look and think differently from different backgrounds. And then what they do is they'll make those, they'll, that's when they want to establish these initiatives and then they'll go and hire diverse candidates. And what happens is these diverse candidates come in and they feel that they have to assimilate to the majority because how, why mm. wouldn't you feel that way? You know, right. You're the different one, you know, um, it's, <laughs> well, it's a lot of responsibility. It's, for it's one like person, a full time right? job at a full time <laughs> job. It's not fair, you know, and it, it becomes yeah. this environment that's like, you just, you, you put your head down and you just take it. Like whatever is being thrown at you, you just take it. Like you just accept the fact that, you know, people aren't, you know, willing to learn about you and where you come from and, and your opinions and, 
you know, your goals. And so it, it eventually becomes too much and it, it becomes toxic. It becomes stressful and no one wants to stay in that environment. Like it's, it's horrible for your health and then they leave. Yeah. And so, you know, and it's also not helpful when leadership um, does not prioritize DE&I. So I've also noticed patterns where uh, the employees on the ground level, and this is, when I say the ground level, I'm talking about like the engineering managers and, you know, people in leadership, anyone, it could be anyone. Sure. But the ones who are not in the C-suite like offices <laughs> with the, you know, the suits and whatever, like when you do not have approval or, um, support from higher level executives it is so hard to make change regardless of everyone in the company wanted to make change when those in leadership don't do it or they don't care they put they don't put the time in, they don't put the money in it's too hard like how are you going to make change when you need that approval you know you need consent it's their company they're the ones who are running it um and at that at that point it's it's really hard and i've, I've worked with companies like that and so it comes to a point where we're at a standstill and I, I know we're not yeah. going to be able to really do much more. So when it comes to things like that, I finish out my contract in terms of like doing the feedback from the candidate to their manager. Um, and then that's it. And then I won't work with that company again until we know yeah. something in leadership has changed. But like, that's, those are the two like most harmful things. That's so wild. Yeah. It's, it's, I noticed that too. I, I feel like kind of on an even broader scale, like there, sometimes there's so much, uh, disparity between like the stated goals of the company and then mm -hmm. how that actually trickles down to management. Right. And it's really interesting that you mentioned the, uh, I guess, not having the authority mm -hmm. to actually make change and make a better environment. Right. You had, you'd mentioned a, a term a couple times and I'm not totally familiar with it. Um, D I or D E and I or D I N E. Oh, um, D E and I, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion. I just shortened oh, okay. it so I don't have to keep saying it over. <laughs> awesome. It's so you long. You did say that earlier. And then, <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Perfect. I grew up with a, like a, a very like conservative um, background, and my my dad immigrated here from um, you know he what is it they were in Vietnam and then they fled to Brazil during the Vietnam War and then like he came up here. Um, you know, around like college time, you know, for him. And I feel like at least in, you know, from my experience, like in Asian cultures, it's like very much like just want to like assimilate. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like it's very much like just like like assimilate. And so it was really funny because we grew up extremely conservative, which always felt really weird to me. <laughs> yeah. And so there was like all these like really like strong conservative values. Um and I know one of them kind of like in my upbringing was this whole concept of like color blindness, right? And so you just like don't like you just try to like not think about color. Like you just pretend like it's not not right. there. And it feels like maybe that's kind of having a negative effect now, right? Mm -hmm. Because we we think like, oh, okay, well, like if we just like we need to like think about color for the hiring, but then like pretend like it doesn't exist for every moment after that. Right. And it feels like that's kind of a losing strategy. And I wonder how, how do you recommend that people have that conversation on an ongoing basis so that it can get better instead of like just pretending like, pretending like the elephant in the room isn't actually there. Right, right. So people need to be intentional. And I, and I know like some people feel like being intentional and being aware that this person is different is bad. Um, and I, like, I guess I can 
understand why, but it, it's not like, like you have to be open and, and considerate if that makes right. sense. Like, it, and it's hard for people who like never have to experience that. Like, it's hard to explain, <laughs> like, listen, you know, you, you got to really think about, well, I'm the only one here. I'm the only one who looks like me. I don't come from these same backgrounds as everyone else. I can't relate to a lot of the things and experiences that you guys talk about at lunch. Like, you know, like yeah. there it's, it's, um, being an ally is also like a full-time job, right? Because you, you can't only think about yourself. You have to think about others. The way something impacts you might impact someone else very differently. And you have to be willing to understand how, how that impacts them, why it impacts them. Hmm. Um, and this is what this, this is what makes you like more aware. And then you, you can move more intentionally. Um, and, and this is like something you have to do forever. It's not like, oh, I, I took a class and now I know. It's like, no, this is a practice. This is a belief. It's a practice and you do it forever. And you pass that down to your kids and your kids do it to their kids. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a life, you know? Right. And, and it, we wouldn't have to have this if things weren't the way they are. But, yes. but this is what it is, you know? So you have to be willing to do the work, you know? So, yeah. I think it's really hard because it, you, you'd said this, right? Like, because it... There's this, oh man, like businesses exist to make money, mm-hmm. right? And then there's this kind of like high level thought of like, hey, I want to like, we, we want to be more, you know, uh, diverse. And so then you start making those changes. But like a lot of people don't count the cost, right? And the cost is like, hey, we're going to have to actually have some like regular, ongoing, serious conversations right. about race if we want to change. And we need to be willing to have the side effect of actually producing that change that results from those conversations. Exactly. No. Yeah. Like this is, this is like the problem. The, the, this isn't even just the tech industry. This is honestly sure. everywhere. The issue is they want to diversify and then completely forget about the inclusivity piece. They totally forget about the equity piece. And like, that's, that's really the problem. You're not, you're only doing so much when you diversify. All you're doing is like, what is it? It's like putting a brown M&M amongst a bunch of blue M&Ms. It's like, <laughs> you know, like the, you're not really doing anything. You're kind of just putting it there and it's like, great. Like, like, no, now, now you have to do the work of like, how do you make this person feel welcome? And, and you have to know why you want to make them feel welcome. You understand that there's a yeah. problem and you want to fix it. Uh, and it, it's a long conversation. Those are tons of meetings. Those are things you, you yeah. talk about for as, as long as the company exists or until you feel like you've figured it out and you can continue practicing um, these initiatives and, and beliefs and values for as long as the company is around. But, but like, yeah, yeah. I, I think people just don't take the time that they don't understand the time and energy this takes. Yes. You know? Um, and if you, yeah. if you truly want to be an ally, you truly want to make change, you gotta be willing to, to sacrifice a few things and, and, and really like prioritize this. Yeah. Now, you've mentioned um, several times being an ally, and I'm really interested to know, at these companies, obviously, companies move really slowly, um, but it doesn't prevent individual actors from being the best that they can to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion on their own, right? And to be an ally and to make sure that those conversations happen, Uh, you know, particularly the people who have maybe been at a company for a really long time, have a lot of, you know, social clout at the company, etc. And I'm curious, how does that, how does that look? Because I know that it's like, you know, no one wants to give up their social capital, <laughs> etc. Yeah. But like, what are some 
strategies that you've found that are are winning? And then also, um, I guess, yeah, I guess I guess it's a big question. We can kind of dive into it from there. But um, are there strategies that that you found that are winning, or in your experience, have felt like you know what that was that was right, and I felt represented um, really well in this meeting or with this person or etc. Yeah, um, I feel like just speaking up and again like being intentional, being aware, and and like watching. So there's like a, a lot of nepotism in like. <laughs> companies in general you know and so instead of promoting the person who's actually been busting their ass like you know you hire your you know oh well my friends worked here forever like you know i'll give i'll give him the 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 role the whatever the what is it higher up oh like the position or like that that next project that's gonna really like put them on the map or like all that kind of stuff yeah right you can't do that (laughs) like as much as you want to you can't it's not fair you know like why would someone want, why would they even want to stay there after they've like put in all this time and energy and, and they've sacrificed time maybe with their families or going out with their friends? Like you don't know what they've put into it. Yeah. You just know that they've worked really hard and then all of that just so you can feel that you have to promote your friend or you want to promote your cousin's sister. I don't know. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I feel like when people see that, they should say something. So when you know that there's a new role available or there's a promotion coming up, you know, give a, um, like nominate, nominate. Mm. Um, even if nomination isn't a thing, I think you should like say something anyway, like, Hey, I know we have this promotion coming up or we have this new open role. I really feel like so-and-so would be a great fit for it. And this is why, like, you don't have to ask, um, for, for permission, you know? And if you see something wrong, like someone took someone's idea and they didn't give them credit, like, speak up about it. There's, I, I feel like, like being an ally, this is why I say like, you have to make a lot of sacrifices. Like if you're, fr- say your best friend did something harmful, even if it was by accident, you should be speaking up about that. Hmm. And you don't have to be rude about it or anything. It's just like, make it a reminder, like, you know, hey, actually, you know, if that was so-and-so's idea or, you know, hey, actually like, I think you're really cool. I think you should like get this next promotion, but I know so-and-so has been working super hard for that. Like, um, you know, they've been grinding really hard, whatever it is, you know, you just, you have to be willing to speak up and, and take those actionable steps. And I feel like people are afraid of losing friends or yeah, what, whatever it is. Um, I don't know. I think you can, you have the power to like be a role model almost, especially if you're someone with influence in the company use that influence to be a role model, like to make positive impact. Yeah. I like, I like, honestly, one of the examples that you you said was as simple as just saying like, oh, actually this person did the work, which is like, honestly, just human, right? Yeah. Like taking credit for someone else's work is, is predatory. But it gets done all the time. It's so ridiculous. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's horrible. Yeah. And it's just like raising, raising people up. Um, for the things that they have done and like kind of making sure that they are seen and have that visibility and kind of like taking that light that you you know, might get automatically and pointing it to them is not necessarily a hard thing to do. It's really not. It's not. And oh my God, you know what? Something else I want to say when, okay, this is because I've actually been through this and so have so many other people. Um, when you see like that, you know, a black or brown person or a person of color has just started at a company that's 
like predominantly white or all white on their first day, greet them, like greet <laughs> them, invite them to lo- do something, you know? <laughs> so many of us, like, I'll just say my stories. Like anytime I started at a company and again, I've always been the only black person in the entire company. I, I would start at the same time someone else would, and that person would be white. And everyone was so gracious toward them. Like they were so open. They were, they were so welcoming to them. And then when it came to me, everyone, I honestly like felt almost like a zoo animal because people were more curious and very like, they didn't, they didn't want to approach me. They were just very like curious and watching me. And it's like, I'm not a, I'm not a bear, you know, like <laughs> I'm a human and not, you're my coworkers now. Like, let's be friends. It's always been hard to like develop relationships. So that's like always been really shitty for me, honestly. Um, yeah. Like yeah. the, the, like the onus is on you for so many things, right? Like to start those relationships to kind of like represent black people well, and then also just do your work. It's like, it's too many things. Right. I know. I'm like, listen, I just want to be treated as a human, you know, like, you know, understand, understand my struggles. And, and by understanding my struggles, that would mean that you would be more welcoming towards me and you would want to build a relationship with me. But people that's why i said like you have to be considerate you should be aware and you should be intentional that's what i mean so yeah well i want to talk about two things and i don't want to i don't want to sound like i'm like kind of belittling like other people for not knowing this stuff so i'm going to kind of like belittle myself and my own unwokeness in this situation but i know it wasn't because of my like conservative upbringing it wasn't until like college that i i met black and brown people and like my music and like, um, you know, production classes that I was in. And they set me straight on a lot of just really stupid, naive ideas that I had. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I want to talk about some of those just in case people haven't had the opportunity to learn them in their own lives. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, So one of them is just this kind of notion of like, well, we don't have like a white tech pipeline. So like, why, why is a, a black tech pipeline important? And I'm sure that you probably face this all of the time. Oh my God. And <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Listen, when black tech Twitter, like the day it actually started, I had so many people in my inbox, like this is racist. Like, um, what if we had white tech Twitter? What if I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, you literally do. Like the industry is literally all white <laughs> males like what do you mean and then i i oh my god that's so aggravating it's like anytime a community that is not white wants to do anything to bring attention to themselves or opportunity to themselves it's a problem yeah and i'm like like you not even just in tech with with the uh, positions and, and whatever you literally dominate damn near the world like you have everything. You have the equity. You have real estate. You have everything that we didn't get. We are, um, well, at least for my community, we're like 400 plus years behind because yeah. of because of your ancestors, you know? And what we're trying to do is catch up and keep up. And so I don't understand what the threat is, you know? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. why can't everything just be fair, you know? Like, obviously, this is why I'm all about equity. You know, I want what I deserve. I want reparations, you know, but then, <laughs> but I also just like to be treated just like you treat your friends and yeah. like, why can't things be like that? And it's, it's not And any time 
this is what I noticed. It's like anytime uh, communities that are not white try to do, you know, anything that is positive and, and lifting themselves up, um, it's like too, this, I'm just going to say like to white people who don't get it and in my experience have been super racist for them it's like you're divisive you're dividing everyone you're your own problem you always want to separate yourselves from everyone and it's like what are you talking about <laughs> you know so i have literally and i still to this day people will inbox me like calling me all sorts of names and the white tech twitter thing always comes up I'm just like oh my god i can't yeah it's i think it's i think it's hard to understand because it, it goes it goes to this like core of like people, right? Like everyone who has ever worked hard wants to think that it was only their work that got them into the places that, that they got. And like, you know, no one gave them a boost and you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and I, it's, it's tough because it's like the same thing that they want philosophically, like this idea of like equity, like a level playing field, like, Mm -hmm. well, like, you know, like, we just got to keep it a level playing field, we shouldn't have any like, you know, exemptions or like assistance or all that kind of stuff is like the thing that they want is the thing that they're preventing. Right. And we don't, we don't have good. I don't know. I, I don't know how to solve this for like a lot of people. Right. Because the thing is like, no, no, no. Like, what we're trying to get to is that level playing field. <laughs> right. But we're not we're not there yet. And so we have to make some adjustments to actually make that happen. Exactly. And that's a problem for them. Like they think that's unfair and you should just be um, you know, judged on your merit. And it's like you're not even just judged on your merit. You literally have the priv- you you have privilege, you know? Yeah. Um, but for I mean, for a lot of a lot of uh, people, at least in my experience, having these sort of debates, it's like, it doesn't exist. Like for them, privilege doesn't exist. You know, it's like, (laughs) okay, well, like you even being able to say that is privilege, you know? And at that point, I'm like, I'm just done arguing. It's like talking to a wall. There's just no (laughs) point in saying anything else. So I'm just like, okay. (laughs) Well, I think that, that kind of dovetails into another thing. And um, I just wanted to, one thing that you have, done really well and helped me see is the importance of targeting specific issues. And I know that you've talked about this a lot on Twitter, um, that you specifically don't say that you're like working with people of color, right? Because it's too broad a net. Right. And you're working specifically with black and brown people in technology to help them like in their journey and like make Mm -hmm. sure that everything, like they can find jobs where they're treated equitably and you know, aren't, don't have all of these, like, aren't just representing diversity. Um, Could you tell me a little bit more about kind of your intentionality around that and why that's so important? Yeah. um, I mean, this goes back to even just my family. So I am half black and half Puerto Rican. And so my, my Puerto Rican side, I'm not very close with my uh, black side. However, my Puerto Rican side, everyone is, they're like your color, you know? And so (laughs) like, they would, and it's fine because they're my, they're my family and I love them, but, you know, growing up, it was always jokes about my skin color and being called, like, blackie, and I was just always the different one, you know? Yeah. Um, and in school, I went to a bilingual school, so um, I went to school with, like, a lot of Dominicans and Puerto Ricans, Salvadorians, and then lots of black people, too, and that was separated and the reason was because skin tone and you don't speak Spanish, so you can't be part of like sure. our crew or whatever. 
um, like I, I literally kind of grew up with division within the POC community. Um, I mean, I've dealt with prejudice from the Asian community from, and from the Latinx community. And, and so that's why I'm like, we, while we're all underrepresented, we still, there's prejudice which in, within each of these communities. Um, there was even, uh, when I was a wax specialist, um, uh, a woman from, I believe, Syria refused to be waxed by me. She was like, I don't want to be waxed by that black African, you know? Um, and she's in the United States where they, are, listen, United States is very racist. They do not like you either. So the fact that you're <laughs> like <laughs> saying this about me and you're so like uh, turned off by me is like hilarious. So yeah, I mean, there, there's, and, but, and I'm not saying like uh, this doesn't happen in the black community. There's prejudice in the black community too. Like there's just so many different issues. And so that's why I'm like, be specific. Like, who are you talking about? Because I've joined companies that do have people of color in terms of like, they have Asian, Indian, um, and Latinx. And I, yeah. I also can't, I couldn't form relationships with them. They all, they were also with, you know, the predominantly white people who were curious and just staring at me like I'm some yeah. animal. Like I've been excluded from those as well. And so has um, other black technologists in the industry and so that's why i'm like it, whoever you're talking about that's who you need to say if you are talking about latinx say latinx don't bunch us together yeah. um and the other thing uh with saying people of color is that companies will say we want to hire people of color we really want to become diverse we want to do this and that then they have a company photo do you see any black people in those absolutely <laughs> not what they do no. is they use poc to overshadow the black community and they're like yeah we're diverse because we have them and them and them but you yeah. don't have any black people at all. That's a problem. Yep. And I feel like that's why I'm like, do not group us together. If you're looking for people of color, which people of color? I want to know, you know? So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause I, I know like, you know, people of color, you know, like Asian and Indian people are grouped into that, but there is not a representation issue for like Asian and Indian people in tech. Like right. it's right. like, we're doing fine. <laughs> yeah. And and so I like I that's something that you you've talked about a couple of times and it really like it really has stuck with me this idea of like yeah like you can you can hide a lot of your sins by using too general a term right. and I think that that's such an important message that you you've come back to a couple of times is like be specific if you don't want to be hiding right exactly yeah that's that's really like why I'm like just be specific and. I, and I just like, I like to bring awareness to, you know, the dangers of grouping us together, but then also the dangers to assuming that people of color, like, if you get us into a company, we're just all going to be friends because we're people of color, you know? And it's like, <laughs> that's not true because you don't know about the issues within each of our communities. You don't know about the exclusion and the prejudice and the separation. Like, there's so many issues that people don't understand. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just like, be, be intentional, be specific, please. Yeah, yeah. Well, another thing I want to talk about is, um, and we're, we're getting kind of close on time, but these things are so important. And I just want to kind of, maybe we can go over them a little bit quickly. But um, I know something that I stress out about sometimes on like social media, like I don't have like a massive like following, but like at the same time, I want to be like careful and like, I want to use like, the right terms. And I know like, you know, as I'd mentioned before, like my upbringing was very like, you know, 
uh, colorblind, right? And like, you know, we never said like, you know, black person, right? Like the idea of like, you know, it was, I think it was like at the time it was like always like African-American or whatever, which is kind of a nonsensical like term for the most part. And so I'm kind of curious, like for people who want to handle a lot of this sensitively and are on social media and want to sh so show um, support and lift up voices, like, do you have recommendations for like people like, like, <laughs> I guess like a cheat sheet, I guess for people, you know, like me and other people who want to be, want to be involved mindfully and carefully and make sure that people, um, that the right voices are lifted up and that we're not just kind of like white knighting. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. The white savior. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, totally. I get it. Um, yeah, I think, so I, I've even, I've gotten lots of DMS from people who have been, uh, they're scared to voice their opinions because they don't want to be wrong and they don't want to like get canceled. Um, for unintentionally like saying something that might be ignorant. Um, and so I understand that. I think the best approach is like retweet, like just retweet. So if you see that there are black content creators on your feed or timeline, I don't, I always get those two mixed up, whatever. If you see black, <laughs> sure. if you come across black content creators putting out posts about maybe some, a, a product they're building or they're, they're doing a hundred days of code stuff or they just sure. put out a newsletter just retweet it and be like caption it say hey everyone should check this out like it that's it's as simple as that like you can just lift up voices that way you know if there's a conference going on um maybe tag and they have an open um a call for papers maybe tag um some black technologists or, or speakers that you know have spoken before or they're interested in speaking um tag them in that post let them know like hey like you know just in case you were interested here tag a bunch of them then the comp the organizers can reach out to those people if they wanted to you know um suggest people in those forms when they're like hey is there anyone else we should talk to anyone else we should reach out to put them in there like you, it could be as simple as that literally you don't have to put out this like long thread of like you know, we have to do this and this for the industry and DE and I, you don't have to do any of that. <laughs> Just show support by, by lifting the voice, you know? I love that. I love that. Well, I want to make sure that people know how to get connected with you and with Black Tech Pipeline. How, um, how can they find your resources, Discord, etc.? Yeah. Um, so you can follow me, Paris, at Paris Athena, Paris with two S's on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can find Black Tech Pipeline both on Instagram and Twitter at BT Pipeline. You can go to Black Twitter, I mean Black Twitter, blacktechpipeline.com. Um, we're launching our new site soon, but we have a temporary site up right now. You can subscribe to our newsletter there. You can order merchandise. Um, yeah, I'm going to say that's it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. That's good stuff. It's really good stuff. Um, well, I'm very grateful for your presence in my timeline or feed or whatever i don't know yeah i know right it. it's like which one is it <laughs> i guess timeline um yeah i'm just really grateful i think you know i i have benefited so much from your continually talking about this and i've been able to like point people to your tweets as we've you know tried to figure out how that looks at like you know the company that i work for and then just even myself right like it's like 
in every every day there's something like new that I'm learning about how to have that this conversation better. And uh, I, I just really appreciate your candor in all of this and being willing to, you know, speak up and show so many of us how it's done. Yeah, no, no worries. I love being authentic. So <laughs> don't worry. Every time someone comes to my Twitter, they're like, wow, I didn't know you were this blunt. I'm like, well, <laughs> Get used I, to it. right. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Hey, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was fun. My pleasure. This has been episode 103 of React Podcast with Paris Athena and Chantastic. For links, visit reactpodcast.com slash 103. Thanks to our sponsors, Infinite Red and Honey Badger. When your deployments go sideways, you want Honey Badger at your back. Honey Badger gives you DevOps superpowers by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, cron monitoring, external service and job monitoring all into a single easy to use platform. Give Honey Badger a try today. Visit honeybadger.io. Mention React Podcast at sign up and get 30% off for six months. If you have a project that's gone off the rails and need expert help, get Infinite Red on your side. They've been designing, building, and shipping apps for 10 years and want to bring that expertise to your apps, products, and services. They have a deal right now where you can get $750 for referring a new project. Get expert help from Infinite Red at reactpodcast.infinite.red. If you like this show, there's a fast, free way to demonstrate your support. Leave us a review on iTunes. It's the best way for you to let me know what you think we're doing right and what we can improve. Two to three minutes of your time helps us make the best show we possibly can. As always, links and show notes for all episodes are available at reactpodcast.com. This episode was edited by Mikhail Delport. It was produced by Mikhail Delport and Sarah Jackson at Spec, a network to help you level up in design and development. Check out spec.fm for other shows that are sure to fast track your career. I'm your friend, Chantastic. Thanks for listening. We'll be in your ears again next week. Thank you.